And now a word from GSK. Respiratory syncytial virus, better known as RSV, has been in the news a lot lately, and RSV season is fast approaching. RSV infection can put older adults at risk, including those with certain underlying conditions. But vaccination with RxV, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine, adjuvanted, can protect adults aged 60 years and older. RxV is a vaccine used to prevent lower respiratory disease from RSV in people 60 years and older. Arexvi is proven through a clinical study to be over 82% effective in preventing lower respiratory disease from RSV and over 94% effective in those with asthma, diabetes, COPD, chronic heart failure, advanced liver or kidney disease, or any chronic respiratory or pulmonary disease. Arexvi does not protect everyone and is not for those with severe allergic reactions to its ingredients. Those with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most common side effects are injection site pain, fatigue, muscle pain, headache, and joint pain. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist to see if Orexvi is right for you and learn more by calling 888-Orexvi9 or by visiting orexvi.com. That's A-R-E-X-V-Y dot com. RSV? Make it Orexvi. I'm Jacob Goldstein. This is Incubation. On today's show, herpes. Yeah, I became the herpes girl for a while, uh, which I didn't expect. Um, (laughs) And there's some pros and cons to that. I was really delighted by how excited people were to have this conversation. But it was also very strange. And like I would go back to my college campus uh, around that time and people would be like, it's the herpes girl. I'd be like, hi, (laughs) you've heard Ella Dawson writes about sex and culture, and she's also one of the billions of people, billions with a B, living with herpes. We'll hear a lot more from Ella later on, but first, let's do a little Herpes 101. For this part of the show, I called up a herpes authority, Anna Wald. Is it true that you're the queen of herpes? Yes, that's my uh, less formal title, let's just say. I was introduced like that about now 20 years ago, and I decided to adopt uh, that nomiker. And I've been doing herpes work now for uh, 30 years, and there are not a lot of experts in this field. And I've stuck with it. In addition to being herpes royalty, Anna is also a professor of epidemiology at the University of Washington. And today, we're turning to Anna to explain five key things to know about herpes. By the way, Anna talks about the two types of herpes that we usually hear about, which are known as HSV-1 and HSV-2. So, thing number one to know about herpes, most people have it. How many people in the world are infected with herpes? Well, it depends if you're talking about HSV-1 or HSV-2. Okay. HSV-1, about two-thirds of people in the world have HSV-1 infection. Wow. And most of it, it's oral, but not all. Some of it is genital. And about 14% or so have genital HSV2 infection. Wow. So that's thing number one to know about herpes. Thing number two, it's really common to have herpes and not even know it. Only about 20% of people who have HSV2 infection, which is the main cause of genital herpes, at least historically, know that they have genital herpes. Next thing to know, 
Part of the reason so many people don't know they have herpes is that testing is notoriously unreliable. The problem is that many of these assays that are now commercially available, they're not that accurate. And what's happened because the frequency of herpes has gone down, but the frequency of testing has gone up, the proportion that's actually diagnosed incorrectly has increased. Uh So there are a lot of false positives. A lot of people get herpes tests that say they have herpes when in fact they do not. Right, because we have people who got tested for whatever reason for HSV2, they had a new partner, they were anxious about it, and the test came back positive for HSV2. I had somebody who's guy who didn't believe that they have it, and the gynecologist told them to go to therapy to accept it. She was subsequently tested with an accurate test, and the gynecologist was wrong, right? So we're giving people a false diagnosis. You, uh, you and your colleagues have, have developed a better test than the common test. Is that right? Um, my colleague who was here actually before me did develop a better test that is still available through University of Washington. Um, but it's only available here. It's what's called a Western blot, which means that we look at the ability uh, of the immune system to respond to a very wide range of proteins of HSV, not just one or two, like the commercial assays. So I get to tell a fair number of people that I cured their herpes because they thought they have it by the commercial assay, and then it turns out they don't. Key fact number four, herpes is incurable. With lots of other viral infections, the body figures out how to eliminate the virus from the body entirely. But herpes isn't like that. Herpes has evolved to have this really clever trick that allows it to evade the human immune system. Herpes hides in um, the cells of the nervous system. And the nervous system is what's called immunoprivileged site. Is that there's not a lot of immune cells there. So it is able to hide in a form that's inactive. It's called latent. It infects bundles of nerves that are along your spinal cord. And at that point, it doesn't elicit much of an immune response. And there it just kind of hangs out, not eliciting an immune response, and then comes out of hiding at some point later? It elicits very little immune response when it's there. And then... In response to triggers that are not very well defined, it will come out and make its journey back inside the nerve all the way down to the either genital uh, area or to the oral area, depending on whether you're talking about oral or genital herpes. Okay, now we come to the fifth and final key herpes fact. HSV-1, which has historically caused oral herpes, has in the past few decades been causing more and more cases of genital herpes. And so they are susceptible to acquiring HSV-1 in an area that probably before was not susceptible because they were already infected at a different site. Uh So now they initiate sexual activity and they could acquire uh, genital HSV-1. The other reason um, that people say is that people now have more oral sex. But it's very hard for me to believe that this generation invented oral sex. So I am more uh, a believer in the fact that people are growing up without HSV-1 as an explanation. Thanks to Dr. Anna Wald, Queen of Herpes. 
When we return, we'll hear more from Ella Dawson about what it was like learning that she had herpes and what it's been like living with it ever since. That's in just a minute. And now a word from GSK. RSV, or respiratory syncytial virus, can put older adults at risk, including those with certain underlying conditions. Fortunately, vaccination is available. Orexv, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine, adjuvanted is a vaccine used to prevent lower respiratory disease from RSV in people 60 years and older. Vaccination with Orexv is proven through a clinical study to be over 82% effective in preventing lower respiratory disease from RSV in adults 60 years and older and over 94% effective in those with asthma, diabetes, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, chronic heart failure, advanced liver or kidney disease, or any chronic respiratory or pulmonary disease. Orexv does not protect everyone and is not for those with severe allergic reactions to its ingredients. Those with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most common side effects are injection site pain, fatigue, muscle pain, headache, and joint pain. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist to see if Orexv is right for you and learn more by calling 888-OREXV-9 or by visiting orexv.com. That's A-R-E-X-V-Y dot com. RSV, make it Orexv. Ella Dawson is a writer. She writes a lot about sex and culture. And she has also written a fair bit about having herpes, which turns out to be a subject that has a lot to do with both sex and culture. So I woke up at the end of my junior year of college. I remember it was supposed to be the day of the big spring fling concert. uh, And I just felt peculiar. Um, I had some uncomfortable symptoms, I would say. I had a smattering of raised sores that were quite painful to touch around my genitals. Um, And I think my immediate thought was, are these ingrown hairs? Is this some kind of rash? Like, I wanted desperately for it to be something normal and easily treatable. But when you Google, you know, raised red sores, herpes is pretty much the first thing that you'll see. And so... Yeah, it was not fun. Um, Herpes outbreaks, particularly your first outbreak, tend to be painful. It's not my favorite experience in the world. And like any panicked 20-year-old, I went to Google and kind of typed in what I was feeling. And the internet immediately told me I was going to die. Uh, So I... Classic. And so I called the student health clinic on campus. And thankfully, the nurse who I saw there was incredibly kind and gracious and took one look at the symptoms I was expressing and said, you know, this looks like genital herpes. Uh, We see this all the time, particularly among female students. Um, And that was very comforting as well as very terrible. (laughs) It was not a fun day, I would say, but I got incredible medical care. And uh, yeah, I would give it two out of five stars, (laughs) I would say, as an experience. Um, I mean, it could be worse given that it's a diagnosis of a disease. Any more than zero stars is okay, right? Um, so the the nurse says you probably have herpes, a rare case perhaps of a healthcare professional confirming a Google diagnosis. Uh, 
do you, do you have a test? Is that it? Like, what, what then? Yeah, so she took a culture directly from a sore, and that tends to be, from my understanding, the most reliable form of herpes testing. If you are not expressing symptoms, you can take a blood test for herpes, but those tend to be unreliable and expensive. So it was kind of lucky that I immediately went in on day one and, and had a culture taken because I was able to get a very clear diagnosis within a few days uh, when the labs came back. And I tested positive for genital HSV-1, which is usually associated with oral herpes, but it's quite common these days for people to have genital herpes from HSV-1 because of oral sex. So you get the labs, they confirm that you in fact have herpes. Um, and then what? Well, I had a lot of uncomfortable conversations. I uh, called my mom and I said, you know, I have some bad news. And she immediately asked, are you pregnant? I was like, no, 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 no. I have herpes. And she goes, oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> that's nice. Great. That's good, mom. That's what it you was want really nice. to say. Yeah. I was so terrified and I was worried. Uh -huh. So I appreciate that she was just unflappable and she just wanted to know that I was okay. My parents were great. The more difficult conversations I had to have were I had to tell the person I was dating um, who was not the nicest person already and was mm. a big jerk about it. Um, I think his immediate concern was for himself, which is totally fair. I also called some exes uh, just to say, you know, hey, I got diagnosed with this. Um, I don't know if you've been tested. I don't know if you know your history, but for the most part, people were really surprised but gracious and understanding that this is not something that anyone does maliciously viruses happen what did what did you know about herpes when you got diagnosed or just before you got diagnosed next to nothing i think herpes in particular is a strange virus because everyone knows that herpes is a skin condition that you can get and that it is incurable and it's sexually transmitted but very few people know what the symptoms actually are how it's actually transmitted, how to prevent it, what the testing looks like. I thought I knew a lot about it. And then I very quickly realized, oh, I am very ignorant. Um, and I had absorbed a lot of stigmatizing messages about it from pop culture, from sex education, uh, from The Hangover. And there's an infamous line in The Hangover of um, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except for herpes, that shit will come back with you. So like... That was what I knew of herpes before this. And so I was really baffled as I learned more about how the virus functions in the body. Like when you have herpes, you are not having symptoms the vast majority of the time. Um, I've had herpes for 10 years now, and I've maybe had active herpes symptoms outbreaks for four weeks of those 10 years. It's had a minimal impact in my life. And that is not what I expected. I, When I was diagnosed with herpes, I was like, am I going to have an outbreak forever? Am I going to be in this pain forever? And no, viruses are, are weird and they don't behave the way you expect. So at some point, you go from talking about having herpes with your friends and former partners and your family to talking about herpes in public, in writing and speaking. How do you, how do you make that leap? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, in a nutshell, what happened was I graduated college. I started writing a blog. Uh, I started writing a little bit about having herpes on that blog. And then a friend of a friend worked for Women's Health and said, would you like to write an article about this for STI Awareness Month, which is April? And I said, sure. That was called, um, I think it was Why I Love Telling People I Have Herpes, which is a very clicky title. And then that went extremely viral online. Um, I was 22. Uh I was completely unprepared for that. I thought maybe a few hundred people would read it. I got thousands of emails and Facebook messages from people. Um, It was aggregated all over the internet because it was very unusual to see someone willingly say, hey, I have herpes and let's talk about it. So you write this article. It goes viral. What, What is life after that immediate moment as a person who is sort of internet famous for having herpes? Yeah, I became the herpes girl for a while, uh, which I didn't expect. Um, <laughs> and there's some pros and cons to that. I was really delighted by how excited people were to have this conversation and to hear from other folks who had herpes who read my work and felt very seen and understood. Um, but it was also very strange to have that suddenly become what Google suggests when you type in my name. It adds herpes at the end. And like I would go back to my college campus uh, around that time and people would be like, it's the herpes girl. I'd be like, hi, <laughs> you've heard. <laughs> so I want to talk more broadly about herpes in popular culture. And in particular, there is this Time magazine story from all the way back in 1982 that people still talk about when they talk about herpes. And I know you've written about this particular story. So just to kind of give a flavor of it, I want to read a line from from that story, from that article. Uh, Here it is. Also known as the scourge, the new scarlet letter, the VD of the Ivy League. It's like they're introducing a boxer. The VD of the Ivy League and Jerry Falwell's revenge Herpes has emerged from relative obscurity and exploded into a full-fledged epidemic. It's giving chaos. It's giving panic. Tell me about that story and the sort of broader role it played in the public imagination of herpes. That Time magazine story and cover are so iconic. It's got like this woman in 80 shoulder pads and a big scarlet H on it. The H is like a new scarlet letter. It's, a, it's an allusion to the scarlet letter, right? Yeah. I think that's even the title of the article. That article is the most bananas, hysterical science writing I've ever read. And like they, they interview all these people who say crazy things about how herpes has impacted their life. Some people claim that they're willfully infecting hundreds of people because they feel bitter and they want revenge upon society. Like it is, it is, it's like a Jerry Springer episode that's off the rail on it. I shouldn't even insult the late Jerry Springer like that. He would not talk about herpes like this. It is just, it's vile. And a lot of folks point to that article as being kind of this, pivot where herpes went from being something fairly normal and common to something that was incredibly stigmatized because it was it was so bombastic and like a cover of time magazine that really impacts culture especially in the 80s like in the 80s it was a huge deal it's hard to even think of now what would be like taylor swift would have to like give a speech about it or something right like it's hard to think of something that's as big of a deal now as that would have been then 
And even if you didn't read the, the article, even if you didn't pick it up, just seeing that cover, that big scarlet H, stays in people's minds. And I love the framing of it being like the scourge of the Ivy League. Like there's so much in there about class and like and about race. Like it's basically saying, hey, even affluent white people, you can get this and you should be you should be afraid. Like and again, like Jerry Falwell's revenge, it's saying like this is a consequence of us having more liberal sexual feelings and values. This is this is punishment. And that is still very cemented in the way we think about STIs of this is a consequence. This is a reflection of your value as a person. You have messed up and now you are ruined forever. It's like, actually, no, this is a very normal thing. And viruses have nothing to do with your character or your choices. They're just viruses. Besides the hangover, do you have a like second least favorite pop culture reference to herpes? Or for that matter, any pop culture references to herpes that you think are actually helpful or good? Herpes pops up all of the time in pop culture. Um, I think SNL, Saturday Night Live, is a is an interesting, <laughs> interesting source text, to put my academic hat on, for attitudes about herpes because SNL has had some horrible herpes jokes and some great ones even just in the last few years. So wait, mm -hmm. what's a what's a great herpes joke? <laughs> this is the thing. Herpes is like a lot of taboo topics. You can make a funny joke about them if you do it in a way that is humanizing and informed. For example, SNL did an amazing sketch about COVID-19. It was about a family of the COVID virus in their home and other viruses coming to visit and like the herpes virus lived next door. And there were just really funny little bits in it that were not making fun of people who have the virus, but just making fun of the virus and how it functions. <laughs> well, now who is that? Hi. Hi. It's your neighbors. We just wanted to pop out of nowhere and say hello. <laughs> surprise. Honey, have you met the herpes? I haven't actually, even though statistically I probably should have. <laughs> uh, I'm oral and this is my wife, genital. Please, please call me Jen. I just howled laughing at it. Um, it was like Bo and Yang with like a big herpes virus contraption on his head. And that that made me very happy. It's 10 years later now. Are you still the herpes girl? I would like to think I am no longer the herpes girl. Um, my career has taken me in different directions. I think the thing about herpes is that you run out of things to say about it. There are other people who have more interesting stories to tell. Black women are far more likely to be impacted by herpes and to face different challenges when getting the treatment they need. It can lead to or exacerbate abusive relationships. You might be kind of vulnerable to being taken advantage of because you think that you're damaged goods. So that's where I write a lot these days is in that kind of area. But yeah, I'm not embarrassed to be the herpes girl. I just, there are more herpes girls out there who deserve their day in the sun. <laughs> Ella, it was great to talk with you and truly interesting, really interesting. It's very fun to have a conversation about herpes. It's not just like, how did you get it? Sad. Is your life over? Herpes is fascinating. And I think if we bring curiosity to these conversations as opposed to judgment, we can learn so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Ella Dawson's debut novel will be published in 2024. It's called, But How Are You Really?, 
Thanks to my guests today, Ella Dawson and Anna Wald. Next week, on our final episode of the season, a twist. Viruses that actually help human beings. I'm talking about phages. Bacteriophages. Life has evolved in a soup of viruses, and most of those viruses are phages. Um, and if, if a kind of alien life form was to just pluck a random bit of the earth and look for life, they would probably find phages and nothing else. Incubation is a co-production of Pushkin Industries and Ruby Studio at iHeartMedia. It's produced by Gabriel Hunter-Chang, Ariella Markowitz, and Amy Gaines-McQuaid. Our editors are Julia Barton and Karen Shakurji. Mastering by Anne Pope. Fact-checking by Joseph Fridman. Our executive producers are Catherine Girardot and Matt Romano. I'm Jacob Goldstein. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from GSK. Orexvi, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine, adjuvanted is a vaccine used to prevent lower respiratory disease from respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, in people 60 years and older. Vaccination with Orexvi is proven through a clinical study to be over 82% effective in preventing lower respiratory disease from RSV in adults 60 years and older. Orexvi does not protect everyone and is not for those with severe allergic reactions to its ingredients. Those with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most common side effects are injection site pain, fatigue, muscle pain, headache, and joint pain. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist to see if Orexvi is right for you and learn more by calling 888-OREXV-9 or by visiting orexvi.com. That's A-R-E-X-V-Y dot com. RSV? Make it Orexvi.